ready? Everybody go. Folks, are you truly ready for the honest, pure emotions and the honest, purest takes? Falcon and the Winter Soldier for all the new Marvel shows. Are you ready? The Marvel Dudes with me, myself, and Callum McClurg is going to be an amazing podcast. All emotions and all Easter eggs and everything you're going to see be right here on that podcast. The question is, are you ready? A Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast to recap Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We don't have the Hulk, but we have the Falcon and the That One Dude. Are you ready? Four episodes down, two more to go, and the question is still the same, folks. Hopefully you are ready for another week and another late night of Marvel Cinematic Universe discussion. Welcome in, folks. Season one, episode four of the Marvel Dudes in conjunction with our great friends over at the MI6 Sports Network. That one dude is John Alcorn. This one dude is Cal McClurg from the home studios here in San Diego. Director Martinez, great to see you again, my man. As usual, though, John, another traumatizing week of Marvel coverage and Marvel television programs, as we say here. It just seems like, though, John, that every week we're always like leaving, wanting to ask more questions about each episode. But of course, when we do, in fact, do that, John, it's about 3 a.m. Central Time where you're uh, joining us from your home base. But uh, Mr. Alcorn, Director Martinez, great to see you, man. Another great week. Two more episodes to go, man. How are things going, though, down there deep in the heart of Texas, my man? What's good? Nick Fury has been ghosting my calls, but, man, it's been very interesting. Like I said, it's very traumatizing here. It's it's more this episode. I'll tell you this next one, man. I got my homework tissues. Callum has to host it. So, again, the director is taking the week off. But, uh. I'm doing good, man, but there's a lot of questions, but I'm really excited to talk about this new uh, Marvel TV series coming out. Uh, with that, folks, again, now as a quick rehash here, folks, now even after Falcon and the Winter Soldier does finish out their final episode in about two weeks, John and I will still come here every Sunday, even after Falcon and Winter Soldier concludes their uh, program schedule. We'll keep you folks posted about Marvel news. We'll talk more about Marvel news, uh, things going on. I know, of course, there's a very big or was a very big announcement, at least here in Southern California, involving the Avengers uh, campus opening soon at Disney California Adventure. We'll have more about that later time and date. I'll probably bring a couple of my uh, resident Marvel and Disney uh, guru friends on later uh, as, in fact, we get closer to uh, that opening. But also, again, we're, we're not going to go away, folks, after this episode or after the show does, in fact, end. So, again, we'll be here with you folks still every Sunday uh, here in conjunction with our great friends, as mentioned, on the MI6 Sports Network and, again, via our personal timelines and also, again, via our Anchor Podcast channel as well. A couple of uh, welcoming messages from uh, Christy Wilson, who says, Hello, and also, Christy is asking, John, has Nick Fury been calling you from the space station? A laughing face emoji. Due to employer restrictions, I cannot say. John, you have a oh, John. Your your clearance is Omega. Mine's level seven. I think you're allowed to say. Oh, what, you're, what? You're, well, um, me and him took a vacation last weekend. We went to Florida. Uh, you know what? And you know, that'll be, there, we don't drink those orange drinks. That'll be me in a few months, mercifully. But with that, though, folks, again, the Marvel dudes live here, season one, episode four for again Falcon and Winter Soldier, but also for us here on um, here on our platform again. That is all in conjunction with the MI6 Sports Network. With that, though, John, as in fact, we uh, get ready to wind down and close up shop on the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll have our thoughts and reactions and a recap of the uh, previous episode 
momentarily. But of course, John, we now, we now though, John, are getting primed and ready for the upcoming Loki series coming in June, debuting on June 11th on Disney+. Plus. As you folks can tell, we have our man Tom Hiddleston in the background live on air to begin this uh, preview. But, John, of course, now we know, though, man, that back in episode two, we talked about the, uh, talked about they're not being a buffer because we as we know, though, man, Sally, the Black Widow film has been delayed again from May till July. But now, though, John, we go from Falcon and Winter Soldier to somewhat of a bit of a of a uh, abyss here between May and June, where, again, probably not a lot of shows are going to be put out. I do believe I saw a story today from ScreenRant.com teasing the first look of what appeared to be the what if series that might in fact be this buffer perhaps uh, in regards to maybe someone, it looked like though from the concept art, it looked like it was a captain England, not a captain America, but I saw the union Jack flag on uh, what appeared to be Haley Atwell, who again was agent Carter, but again had the British accent going on. But again, John Loki is the next big TV series debuting in June on Disney plus. Um, John, give us your thoughts more so about this. I know, of course, that Loki is probably, I think, in a lot of people's minds, probably their favorite villain because I think Tom Hiddleston, with how he's portrayed this character over his time from 2012 on, has been fantastic. He's played him perfectly well and perfectly done in this situation. But, John, give us your thoughts about maybe the trailer, but also uh, overall expectations for, again, Tom Hiddleston uh, reprising his role. And, again, seeing Loki get his own devoted, I believe, multi-series program starting June 11th. It's going to be great, man. I think he's done – it's one of those things about Marvel, like I say, we tease us with our emotions. Like, we're supposed to hate villains like John Walker, but we love Loki – but we also hate him at the same time because what he's tried to do in the past. But it's going to be a different kind of Marvel show. I'm excited to see uh, certain people that are going to be joining the MCU, a guy that used to do uh, dog movies and all these different types of things. But, man, I'm excited about it to see what happens. And uh, it looks like from the trailer that he may not be in trouble if he works with the guy. I don't, I don't know. But I'm definitely excited for the show to see where this leads and uh, – Marvel, if you toy with our emotions like you always do, I know John Walker. <laughs> so screw you, John Walker. John, I think a lot of people fell in love with Loki's character again, but more so in a way about how we kind of have despised Wyatt Russell, who's portrayed uh, John Walker, the new Captain America. I think a lot of us out there fell in love with Tom Hiddleston for how he portrayed Loki in the 2012 Avengers movie again is, again, the perfect way of playing the antagonist. Again, you're supposed to hate the character, not hate the actor. I think that Tom Hiddleston has just done a, a phenomenal job of portraying this villain. But I think, though, that he's done his best, though. though like why, maybe what I said, though, in episode three, though, of our, of our podcast was he's done his best. I think find that, hum, you know, find the humility in this man and find what maybe probably like about the character, probably don't like about his, about his character, and stuff of that nature. As we see here, folks, in the poster, again, looks like we have a clock in the background. And again, Tom Hiddleston uh, with his arms on his back, probably in cuffs, but also wearing a shock collar like he's a dog uh, in the uh, poster displayed on screen here. Now, John, that one uh, character that you were kind of bringing up, though, is Owen Wilson, probably the last person that we would, would all think would debut or at least make an appearance in a uh, Marvel movie is apparently having a pretty big role in this series, debuting again, folks, June 11th is the Loki series debuting. And also what I've gathered from sources it was, is that this will be a two-series or multi-series uh, show debuting in June on Disney+. Plus. But, John, 
Now you can have a bit of a wild card throwing here because I think that all of us know about Owen Wilson and his time with Vince Vaughn in movies and other things going on with his roles. And I think even with Cars and other Pixar movies. But John, your thoughts about seeing Owen Wilson maybe in people's minds out of his comfort zone, not being a, you know, playing like a, like a, like a uh, comedy role, but more so like in a pretty, I think, big time role that, uh, that is in fact playing a character inside the MCU. Sam says, ka-chow. But no, I think it's very interesting though to really see stepping out of your comfort zone. We see this with a lot of actors. I, I love Owen Wilson as an actor. He's done a phenomenal job, but seeing, I think this is what, certain actors separate themselves from others and last longer than Hollywood than others. Others are only made for a certain type of series, either it's about high school or action, but Owen Wilson being able to do it all, man, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do. And one of the lines that he says in the trailer, folks, is he's really stabbed people in that like 50 times. So I can tell just the way he interacts with Loki is going to be a great show and ka-chow. John, I, I I guess the last point here for the opening remarks again, folks, Loki, the uh, other Marvel television series set to debut June 11th on Disney Plus. Again, this is going to be uh, sadly not with a buffer in between the ending of Falcon and Winter Soldier due to, again, the nature of the Black Widow movies we talked about in episode two here on the Marvel Dudes. That film has been, again, pushed back to July due to, again, and just a lot of, you know, unforeseen circumstances, again, pandemic, movie theater availability, stuff of that nature. But more so, John, where are the expectations uh, right now for this series? Again, I know, of course, that uh, people had great reviews about WandaVision. We've had maybe some so-so, maybe trending back in the right direction for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But now, though, John, multi-series show coming with Loki. Again, people probably wanting a bit more about his backstory, you know, maybe more falling out with Thor, maybe wanting to see him in a bit of a bigger role than maybe as a villain. Maybe we do, in fact, find that this guy becomes, you know, maybe more likable than where he was maybe in 2012 in the Avengers, maybe in in the other Thor films. But John, where do you probably right now put your expectations for this new series debuting in just over two months? I'll be honest, I trust Marvel. I I think it's going to be a great show because then, like you said, there's been some mixed mixed reviews of the Falcon Winter Soldier, but I think once our emotions are back in check in episode five, once we get through all the Hallmark cries, I think this show is going to be great, man, because it's something different. Marvel, we always talk about action. We always talk about comedy. Which WandaVision did well. Falcon Winter Soldier did well. But I have high expectations for this, regardless. And that anybody that's out there, regardless of what you think and your fan theories don't always come true. And whoever is not going to come back in episode five or six, don't take that out. I don't care what if my fan theories are wrong in this series current. This show is going to be great, man. I'm. It's one of those villains where you kind of feel bad for him because maybe he, one guy was the favorite over the other, but at the same time, it's like, he's a villain. He killed agent Phil Coulson, but it's definitely going to be interesting. Cause I've been waiting for this for over two years since Avengers Endgame came out. I think it's going to be great. So with that folks, it's our thoughts on the upcoming Loki series. Again, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, the main two characters again, Tom Hiddleston, again, reprising his role as the mischievous Loki, again, going to set the debut, folks, uh, two months from today, uh, April 11th. It'll debut June 11th on Disney Plus again. And per reports, it'll be a multi-series, uh, uh, multi-series program, uh, again, debuting two months from today on Disney Plus. John, plenty of reaction and thoughts about the upcoming series. Uh, first, Christy Wilson says, I wonder what kind of shenanigans Loki will find himself in in this new show. Now, John, I did read a bit, though, about this. 
is this is basically going to be in a way, again, probably not in a way, but it's a crime-based thriller series, which kind of, I think, maybe to people says maybe Hawaii Five O, maybe NCIS, maybe CSI, where again, you have like the, like the drama of the crime, but maybe like a thriller type of a horror film, maybe all mixed into one. But John, where do you probably think though, in regards to maybe how in fact this program will in fact play out thriller, crime, you know, like maybe crime, crime investigation or a mixture of like everything hitting the fan at once. Man, dude, that sounds freaking awesome. If it's all three combined, man, I'm going to love every single episode. I don't remember how many of them there are per season, but it's going to be a great show. Combining all of that with what Marvel does, despite how emotions are entangled, like somebody acting in a Hallmark movie, I have high expectations. I think it's going to be great. Just something that's a little bit different than what Marvel's used to based on what happened from last week. But again, rest in peace to that guy. But I definitely have high expectations. It's going to be a great show. But I don't I do think th it's going to be – sorry. Go ahead. I don't think it's going to be as emotional as Falcon and Winter Soldier due to certain characters not being there or certain graphic things. I think it'd be emotional. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier and Wanda are probably the two more emotional shows that are coming out this year for Marvel. And, you know, definitely WandaVision, I think, takes the cake for probably the emotional tie. Again, they did a great job of making that look like it was an actual television show. Again, you had, like in a way, though, John, again, in a way, like I said, in a roundabout way earlier on, I think episodes one and two, that WandaVision, I think, kind of in a way, capsulated, capsulated the history of television over its nine episodes. Again, I love Lucy references and the black and white, the 40s and the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, color television, widescreen TVs, analog television, you know, the bunny ears. It kind of, in a way, like, probably not was like, in a way... It reminds me a little bit of the Red Hot Chili Peppers music video to the song Danny California. The band literally explored the history of rock and roll, starting with Elvis and the Beatles, all the way to, you know, Parliament, the Grateful Dead, Nirvana, stuff like that. It really grew and grew and grew, where WandaVision, in my mind, kind of in a way was about the history of television. But again, had that sort of feel, though, of there being like a soap opera, a love drama, stuff like that was all like there was pieces, I think, that anyone out there would take like, you know, hey, I, lo I love soap operas. I love action. I love this. I love that. You found all that in WandaVision. I think you can, and I think you can find bits and pieces too in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. There's action. There's, you know, sci-fi. There's this, there's that. And that, and that Loki, I think having like that, the crime, like the crime shows, like maybe like 5-0, NCIS or CSI on top of like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, maybe like those thriller vibes all packed into one. That'd be amazing. Also, Christy Wilson chimes in. She says, Tom Hiddleston is the perfect actor for Loki. He portrays him brilliantly. Again, I think that more so, I think, more. I think John, just kind of go, uh, go with that. Especially if you have Chris Hemsworth portraying Thor and you have, you know, someone playing his brother, you have to kind of, I think, find like that perfect balance or perfect harmony. Someone who kind of in a way can maybe perhaps get, you know, you know, maybe make the characters even or maybe lean a bit more towards liking the other character in particular. I think that Tom Hiddleston has done that phenomenally since 2012. Definitely done a phenomenal job. And I'll be honest, folks, before 2008, 2009, I didn't know who Tom Hiddleston was. I didn't know any of them were. Really, I think besides Chris Evans at that point, but he's done a phenomenal job since Thor. And um, you can feel bad for him, but hate him at the same time. I, I always find it weird when I see like actors from Marvel and other films, like I don't recognize them. Like I, for example, I think I saw Mark Ruffalo in some movie about, um, 
I think it was like illusionist in Vegas. I'm like, there's Ruffalo. Like, it, like it, it, it's weird not seeing them portraying characters in the MCU. Sam Potter writes him. She says, guys, Loki has a soft spot, a soft spot in my heart and my family for sure. My house is very excited for the show. He just wants to be accepted in his family. Crying face emoji. I do hope, though, John, that that that, that in a way I, that in a way that his program, I think, dives a bit further into that storyline. Because I think that we've seen it, you know, brought up, but never really put to action, I think, in his time playing Loki in the MCU. I, they they have to expand that. And they really they talked about a little bit of the trauma, I think, in Thor 2 or 3, but introducing Thor 1. They they have to expand on that. They did that with Falcon Winter Soldier. They've done that so far. They have to do it with Loki because again, Marvel's going to always find ways when they back up to the store and explain the past of Loki. They're going to draw in our emotions, but they have to, Sam Callen, because either they want the narrative of hating John Walker or hating Loki, or do they want us to like it? What's the premise of the story? But they they definitely got to man. It'd be interesting to see uh what I hate to say that what kind of trauma his version of trauma. That he went through. No offense, John Walker. <laughs> Christy Wilson also writes in. Now I'm even more curious about this show because I want to see what Owen Wilson can do. Again, John, to, throw, to draw that parallel again, Scarlett Johansson was probably the last female actress I would ever envision being a part of a Marvel movie or a sit or a sci-fi movie. And now we have Owen Wilson, known for I think comedy roles with Vince Vaughn. Now he's in the uh, now he's portraying a uh, portraying a character in the MCU all of a sudden. When I first saw her in Iron Man 1, I was like, oh, it's just some, I'll be honest, I didn't know her before. It's like, eh, she'd be a cool character. Let's see what happens. Probably not much is going to happen from there. And then movies later, what happens in Iron Man 2, you thought they were going to be a thing. But, I mean, she's she's done a phenomenal job. So, again, Owen Wilson in there. Sam also writes with a pretty cool fact. Daniel Brühl voices the German version, not the French he writes in. The German version of Lightning McQueen in Cars 1. And I haven't known peace since learning this in regards to that, we have a villain playing Lightning McQueen in uh, Cars, uh, apparently in the German version. And Mahalia writes in, I need Loki's background story for personal reasons. Uh, personal reasons being, I love his character. Hence why I think, though, John, why I've been so traumatized over over four episodes here because of my preference of, J of uh, James Buchanan Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. And uh, I think, in a way... Seeing his role grow a bit more than what it was, though, in the uh, first three movies that he was ac uh, actually in. It's definitely one of those men. I did. Loki. It's going to be a great show. But I say the emotional attachment is just because we want to see the trauma. We're used to trauma so far at this point, Callan, that I don't think anything from any character could traumatize us more based on what happened in previous episodes. No Which, kidding. I mean, just the fact of, yeah, I mean, just the fact, like, we don't know. And again, I think, it's, I think, I think though, John, that is the beauty, though, of why that Marvel is doing all these shows now, is I, I think that fans have had so many questions for so many years about certain characters that now I think, though, John, that with them going back and diving back into stories that probably people wanted to know more about, this is just making it for all, for all that lost ground. Without a doubt, man, I had a good thought, but give me a minute and I'll, oh, I had a Higgins moment, so you can keep going down. <laughs> oh man. But again, folks, uh, but once again, folks, Loki set the debut on Disney plus two months from April 11th on the uh, day of our podcast. June 11th is the upcoming program 
that will be featured on Disney Plus. And again, it's uh, from what I've gathered, it, uh, it will in fact be a multi-series uh, uh, episode uh, series uh, coming your way again in two months uh, on June 11th. With that, John, we'll uh, we'll trade sides and we'll get into this uh, recap of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And again, though, John, uh, before we in fact switch uh, switch sides here, man, two episodes left, and again, getting closer to the end, though, John, through the first four episodes, how would you probably grade this series so far in your mind? Out of ten, I would say it's a six. Because it's it's been great. A lot of, I think there's been so much trauma. That's why I had to lower it just a little bit. Because for so long, Marvel was somehow so critical about Deadpool, so critical about everything. And yet, what do they do in episode four? I mean, I, I would say six. I you know I would say six and a half. It's been a great show. A lot of things. I'm just ready for that that complete beyond cliffhanger and maybe hopefully some of our fan theories come true but i get it a six and a half out of ten i'd probably go maybe eight so far on where we're at i think that probably in a lot of people's minds that episode three or two probably more so the one that was the one that was very brief probably is what turned some people off after the after the first uh couple of episodes had in fact debuted but I still think i'd give it like an eight maybe eight and a half because again it's been maybe at times lacking action but you know what, though? We got two episodes to go. So, John, over to you to finish out this program. Probably because I've been so critical here, unlike somebody with a certain MLB franchise. But, folks, the one thing we didn't expect in the beginning, Kyle, we talk about trauma. We talk about being emotions. We talk about something that when you are trapped, there's nothing you can do. But when you're finally free from that trauma, just like Bucky in the beginning, folks, the, one of the first scenes, I believe it starts in Wakanda, that we really weren't shocked about at all. Callan, we know your attachment to uh, Bucky. Of course, him back in the history of Winter Soldier and him and Captain America. Not the off-brand Walmart version of Captain America. The actual Captain America, Steve Rogers. But we see, Callan, him finally being free from the Winter Soldier programming so it makes me kind of think what were your first initial thoughts about that one and two how does that make you feel about the therapist in episode one i'll admit i nearly cried seeing after all those years of torment not being himself that it was great to finally see to finally see him get over that hump and i got a bit concerned though much like what we saw though especially with Sebastian Stan, you know, again, with how, I don't think I have seen so much praise sent his way with how he has just done a spectacular job in this series so far. But I, I got nervous, though, when the guard began reading off the words in, you know, again, reading off the trigger words and just seeing him, though, like, mentally, just like, I've, I got to get over this. Like, like, being motivated to get over those hurdles. And yes, hearing those words were, Again, traumatizing for like the fourth straight week of, you know, of watching the program, but just seeing, you know, the motivating, you know, the motivation of him, like, Hey man, you got to do this. Like, come on, you can do this. You know, like in a way, in a way, maybe the little engine that could, you know, in regards to like, you know, just seeing like that, like, like the, the zoned in locked in attitude of like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. 
and seeing him fight it. And yes, he's, you know, bawling his eyes up. But, uh, but as soon as he get, but as soon as the guard gets to the final word and he doesn't, you know, punch somebody or kill her, it's just like all those years of emotions of maybe the fall off the train to his death again, MIA, then to the, the Hydra in Winter Soldier uh, brainwashing into becoming that serial killer and seeing people run for their lives with that bionic left silver arm and that dreaded red star coming their way, the muzzle, the long hair. And that like after all those obstacles and seeing him finally get over not being triggered by what she was referencing. I mean, in a way, in a way, it just brought me a lot of joy just to like finally see him get over it. But also again, like, I mean, I nearly cried. I mean, that's a bro moment right there where your friend is just not, you know, like it's probably several times I think in, in anyone's life, you've gone through maybe bad breakups or relationship issues. And you need to have like that one moment, like with, with a good friend of yours, and you just spill your guts and stuff like that. That right there to me was like just awesome to see. You know, I I, I was like, uh, John, you, you saw my reaction. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I was just like, I I may have scratched my eye, maybe stuff like that. But I, I but again, to but again to the point I had just said though, in regards to maybe people wanting to actually see a scene like that for so many years, like how did he actually get over the brainwashing? And here Marvel goes back and says, well, if you want to know, here's your answer. But again, I'm, I was super ecstatic and it was great to see that he wasn't triggered again by those words. Folks, we talked about in other programs here on the MR6, we talk about like brotherhood or losing somebody. Like imagine folks, 60, 70 years being traumatized. You weren't with your, like imagine folks, you see your best friend for the first time and let's say a couple of years, you feel you feel this great emotion. You feel excited to go see him. Let's go get a couple of beers. Let's go hang out. Let's go play some video games. That's like a bigger extent with Bucky. Imagine being so traumatized to barely even know who Steve Rogers was when Steve Rogers said, Bucky, you're like, who the heck is Bucky? I mean, this just shows like, no I know it's just a Marvel TV show and oh my gosh, this isn't real, but it just shows, I think, that people shouldn't give up. I think that's where Marvel definitely gets towards our emotions here, where we really thought, what is going to happen? Because we thought when we first started the series here, Callan, where, oh, he's at the therapist. Maybe he wasn't uh, firstly 100% cured, but seeing the emotion of he realized, Zemo don't have any power over me. I get to actually finally live my life at 106 years old. Imagine how much he missed on... Look what Steve Rogers did with that notebook, man. I just can't imagine the emotions. We have the emotions because we've literally watched the movies since the beginning. So, folks, unless you've watched the movies since the beginning of the MCU, it I feel like, Callan, it doesn't mean as much. You don't like understand because we've been there literally since the beginning, since Daybreak, man. But it's definitely really interesting there to see how he got Hydra. Screw you, Hedger. But it's really You said one of the words, though, man. So if I hear a knocking at 12.30 a.m., I'm going to blame you and, like, call you John. Knock on wood, but maybe that's ancient culture. I mean, oh, sorry. I wasn't supposed to say that. I'll get fired now. But it's really interesting, though. Like, this is what Marvel does best. This is why I say Marvel over DC, and we'll talk about it later. Just, I've never seen Marvel does such a great job of drawing our emotions, regardless of uh, imagine now that Iron Man can know, oh my gosh, like 
he's cured. He can hang out with Steve. They can go do whatever. Yes, screw your hearts. And we have some news about that later, Christy. So stay tuned in here, folks. But final motion, it was like a surreal tears, if that makes sense. Like when you finally, if something finally goes your way or turns up, you've been waiting for that thing to happen. And you finally get to see your best friend that you haven't seen in a long time. I think just three years. Let's say um, you have one of your best friends. And we finally get to see him after a couple of years. Imagine how you would feel. But imagine Bucky finally really get to see him. But unfortunately, he can't. But the point, imagine, like, after all that time, he can finally live a normal life. Now, there's still a lot of obstacles and a lot of things he has to amend, of course, with somebody from episode one. But, man, a lot of emotions. And he was a villain, but he wasn't, man. But I'm super happy for Bucky. And finally, maybe he exactly. can go suit some pool and um, hopefully can right here's wrongs, but definitely a lot of emotions here, but Samantha practically said it very well. With James Buchanan Barnes cried, I also cried. That freedom means a lot. Imagine, it's like being like stuck in an ice castle thing for 60 years. You can't move. You can't do anything. You can see stuff going on. You can't move your brain like you see it in like video games. You just stand there. You can't move. That's like doing that after 60, 70 years. Imagine the emotion. Imagine how free he can actually finally think for himself, move for himself. He's not going to be worried that he's going to kill someone. He can actually have friends, hang out with some of the Avengers here. I mean, it's just a lot of emotions here. There were definitely some freedom tears there, so it sounds more American there. I mean, not just that, though, John. Just think about what, in fact, that he had to endure over his time in regards to trying to kind of shake, you know, to just in a way, try to shake off the cobwebs of all the years of brainwashing in regards to, as we've already talked about, John, you know, the fall from the train, the Hydra brainwashing under, you know, under the Russians, you know, the Soviets watchful eye. And then, you know, like you said, though, about, you know, uh, Rogers even saying to him, Bucky. And then he says, who the hell is Bucky? Like, you know, he, you know, lights are on, nobody's home. But then trying to overcome all that. Yeah, he got away from that for a bit in Civil War, but then he gets re-triggered again by Zemo. Then you go from there into... You know, maybe the Wakandans will grant grant me asylum and they, you know, and put me back to, you know, put me back on, you know, put me back to sleep, you know, for, you know, with the cryos, the cryo sleep, basically. And now here he is, though, in Wakanda. And I but I do think, John, as well, I don't know, though, but that may have been a scene, though, that may have been cut, though, from uh, from Infinity War, though, about him getting back to his uh, getting back to normal, because I don't know if I saw a arm on his body at that time. I don't know if you did though. I thought he did, but it was hidden, but we would have to go back in. It, may, it may have perhaps been to, just that rag that he was wearing to kind of keep that arm somewhat closed up. I think it was hitting. So it looked like he had two. Yeah. He had two sleeve, like long black sleeves on. So I remember him stretching out the, uh, of course, Steve Rogers. And then, well, the blip happened. I agree with Christy that the freedom probably feels so incredibly good for Buck. I mean, come on, 73 years, I agree. Sam also says, just because, though, guys, he's free of those words does not mean that he's free of all things he's seen, uh, though. He's come so far, but he's definitely got a ways to go because, John, I, 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 I don't know, man. He may be free of hearing those words. I'm still a bit terrified, though, about what, in fact, might happen if, in fact, that he just goes like that for and has like some type of, of a weird flashback for some reason, maybe. And man, remember, folks, in episode one, he killed somebody's son. So is that going to come back in the last two episodes of the series to come back to haunt them now that that's part of the step series of writing your wrongs? I don't know. 
Sam also says, really glad that they put the scene in after seeing him play the Winter Soldier in Madripoor. That left lots of people wondering, where again, he was in a way triggered by Zemo in that particular scene where again, he chokes him the guy on top of the bar. Definitely interesting there. And I think Chris comes in and say, what's up, y'all? Again, Chris, hope you're having a wonderful evening. Thank you all so much for tuning in. But Callan, this really kind of goes to our next point here about our thoughts and reactions. We've talked about John Walker, and I think we saw early in episode two where his mental instability said, hey, say the you-know-what out of my way. So we saw early on his cocky attitude. like, how is this mental capability? What did they have to go through? Why did they truly make, make him become Captain America? Why so quickly was he praised by the public? Why was the news there for no apparent reason? This type of a lot of questions. Maybe it's going to be answered, but Callum, this one really shocked me in this episode. We knew there was a teaser. There was blood on the shield. Our childhood was tainted. All of that traumatized us. But again, folks, this is the one of the things that makes it even more traumatizing here. Because if you look at it, and the thing that I kind of missed because it happened so quickly, one of the guys that he killed, Callan, looked up to Captain America as a kid, there's been so much critical, but oh, all blood and gory, but now Marvel potentially changes their mind. Kind of more so, what are your thoughts on this happening? And how do you think this affects John Walker? Not just as Captain America, but his mental stability and his how his life is going to go moving forward. Screw you, John Walker. <laughs> exactly. John, I. I don't know, man. I mean, I think that a lot of us out there, and again, like I say, though, a lot, so many times, everyone, and John as well, though, my man is, every week, there's something that traumatizes us. You know, whether it's me with Buck, or maybe it's a scene like this, though, you know, the actions of what we saw, I think are absolutely reprehensible. Now, again, I, I doubt it's going to happen because, you know, he's the new guy and stuff like that, but that scene you know I'll, I'll put it back on screen here but again though john the the scene in general of for one the flag smasher who I, I i obviously don't know his name or what his name is but in a way he's carly's right hand man basically uh, and by the way i want to say this as well but i believe her name is aaron kellyman i think but she's done a phenomenal job playing carly she was in solo uh, a star wars story a few years ago but that the ending scene, though, John, as we see on screen here again of, you know, the the uh, the cemetery scene of, uh, you know, the uh, the victim of this whole thing uh, being killed by John Walker, who said, you know, I when I was a kid, I was a, actually a fan of Captain America or a, actually a Captain America fan. This goes against every single thing that Steve Rogers was not against. Yes, he hated bullies, but John, he never resorted, resorted, though to totally blowing a gasket and doing what John Walker did. It goes against every principle that Rogers said. Yes, he didn't like bullies, but he wouldn't go out there and basically, you know, do what John Walker did and kill someone. But though, John, as the reason though as to why this episode was called The Whole World Is Watching, you saw why it's why it was called The World Is Watching because you had every single person on that street filming, taking pictures, and recording John Walker, the, you know, the new Captain America, 
killing this man from the Flag Smashers. Now, yes, it's, it does, I think, though, obviously take out a key member of Carly's camp, though. However, there probably, I think, John, this may sound stupid, there may have been a better way for this to have been resolved and not where just because, you know, your sidekick is killed by the Flag Smashers does not mean he can go out there and kind of, in a way, go against what that shield is supposed to represent. And it's not going out there and killing somebody in cold blood where the whole world is viewing it and having it on their phone and saved on their camera rolls. You definitely have a good point there. Like I said, childhood is tainted. Do we, we never saw blood one time on Captain Steve Rogers here, not the off-brand Walmart version of Captain America, the real Steve Rogers. We never saw that one single time because he knew what he went through as a kid being scrawny more than one of our guys on the network here. And then his brother rescued him, but he never, forgot the beginnings like we've talked about time and time again and this kind of goes back like i said obviously we know we didn't trust walker since episode one why did they make him captain america are they trying to hide something here this just shows the kind of what our theory has been the whole time and like the viewers out here john walker was never meant to be captain america because beyond him looking like the off-brand walmart version there's just something about him that is off not because of his hair or the no eyebrows like myself, but there's something off about him, regardless of his, his, the way he positions himself. Is it his mental or physical capability? Who knows? Because like you saw in this episode, without the serum, do you see how he got his you-know-what kicked? Like you-know-who? It just shows that he clearly had no confidence in himself or no anything else. And that's what Marvel tries to do. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You're not going to make me feel bad for the guy. Somebody that look up to you. And you basically give him the middle figure. You basically punch him in the face here. It's just one of those. I'm more still trying to wrap my head around it, man. Because Captain America killing somebody. And again, the off-brand Walmart version of Captain America. Not the real one. But Cam, what are your thoughts? Again, it just goes back to my point, though, again, of... The reason why I think that this scene is so, for one, traumatizing, but also why that this scene, I think, holds a lot of weight in five, in episode five and six, though, is because it was done in broad daylight, for one thing. Cold-blooded murder, murder, for one thing, again, with how, again, he chases the guy, knocks him down on the on the fountain steps, you know, you know, has a, you know, puts a boot in the guy's sternum, and then literally, with the shield cracks this guy's skull into the concrete and kills him. But again, magnified because you have all the people out there doing this on Facebook Live or via Instagram, taking the video, taking the photos, where I think that eventually either this, John, and again, this may sound preposterous for five and six, but either Walker does get disciplined maybe in some capacity. I doubt it happens, though, because of how, you know, they're trying to, you know, again, put this curtain in front of us about, you know, hey, Steve Rogers never existed in this, you know, post-blip life. Where again, it's like, you know, Rogers doesn't mean anything. Stark doesn't mean anything. None of those guys mean anything nowadays. It's all about the new guy. So either he gets, I think he probably gets either, you know, reprehended for what happened. Or because of the fact though, John, of how we have said though, and how we, and how we have seen him just get knocked around like he's a punching bag. You know, like literally Steve Rogers can knock this guy out. Or at least like what we saw when in the Avengers movie in 2012, where again, he literally is knocking the punching bags off the chains at the boxing gym. You know, it goes back to me, I saw as well, though, John, of, uh, of Wyatt Russell and John Walker from the first episode. I can't do this all day. Where I think it eventually, though, John, comes to a point where either 
He's arrested for 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 the for the the murder of the the kid. I know, of course, that it's a you know good side killing the bad side. I get that, but again, just because of, of the magnification of how in fact it's been. So either he's arrested for for what happened, or he just says, you know what, I'm unfit for this job, and he gives up the title of Captain America. That may be like the like that may happen, perhaps. But also, I think though as well that the third thing, and I still stick by this though. He gets captured. Barnes and Wilson have to free him, but then Barnes kills him instead. That's what I think is going to happen. Mine is along the lines of account. I think he gets arrested, gives up the shield, and gives it back to Sam. But I still think, like I said, I think pre-show, why did they make him Captain America? And we'll go to another reason in the next thing here. But it just makes me want. First of all, if you want to kill somebody, you don't kill him. Who was the one that did it? It wasn't him. It was the redhead. You don't Charlie. trust the red, redheads. You just look in Star Trek here. I mean, my gosh, if you want to kill somebody, you are so pissed off. Why didn't you kill her? But it just shows from the beginning, and our theories have been true. Like a lot of people else have been on this program that are watching. Again, thanks so much for watching. Is that John Walker is not there mentally. Something is off with him mentally. Something happened in the military. Because again, I'm not excusing it. I don't feel bad for him. Screw you, John Walker, as Christy Wilson says right here. But it just makes me wonder, why would you go after him? Why not kill Carly? Or how about you probably don't kill somebody else, but you saw when he gets that look, you knew somebody's going down. John, I have a very interesting parallel. You just brought this up, and Christy Wilson just beat me to it. Is this a situation, though, of John Walker battling PTSD from what he has seen in his time in the Air Force or in the military. Is it a way, though, of a guy, perhaps, in your mind, though, John, like Christy said, though, is it maybe a guy struggling to, you know, make that transition from military life to civilian life to now this superhero life, but that it's all being done because of maybe out of rage or out of PTSD, perhaps? What do you think, maybe? I think that Christy's done a very valid point, though, and I was, that's what I was going to get to as well, but she beat me to the punch. This really exactly you're practically adding to the point to the next question here, Chrissy, that we want to talk about here, folks. Again, any of your comments or concerns that you want to think about when we ask the question, you answer more than happy to it. PTSD is a great point. And that's why this next question I want to ask you, Cal, though, what did John Walker have to go through? You talk about getting the Medal of Honors. What did he have to go through? And number one, number two, why did they make him Captain America so fast? Are they hiding something? So why they made him? They made it happen so transitionally fast in the first two episodes. Like Steve Rogers, never, they barely mention his name at all. Like a big middle finger to Steve Rogers. So why were they doing that? Are they trying to hide something? What did, or trying to hide something? What did John Walker have to go through to get those Medal of Honors? And maybe that was part of the reason. Just like Christy wasn't saying, PTSD. What did he have to go through? And hopefully they addressed that, but who knows? I want to get to some of the other comments real quick. First, uh, Sam says, looking strong, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, also, Mahalia says, it says a lot about the contrast, fellas. When Bucky died, Steve just drank at the bar. But when Lamar died, JW went on a full-blown killing spree. Again, contrasting our Captain America and the knockoff version. And also, Sam also says, really shows a lack of control on Walker's part. She also agrees, but also disagrees. You know that PTSD is definitely a thing, but like that's still not a, still not a excuse to snap like that regardless. I agree, Sam. It is not an excuse. But here's why I say it's not an excuse. But I'm saying, 
what like what happened what is there i feel like there's something marvel government you can't trust in these tv shows and the news no i'm just kidding but there's they're hiding something Callan, and maybe they may not reveal but something to me is off why would they make in the captain america what do you have to go through again it's not an excuse just like sam said but what Agreed. do you have to do to get those medal of honors because he, he's already mental before then what was he already in the military? Just a lot of questions I'm not sure they can answer in the last two episodes. John, I think back to my my theory about trying to tell the Captain America story in a new way in regards to, you know, a new guy takes the position, but he's not with he's not with the serum, you know, new logo, stuff like that. I am gonna take a very wild guess and say if my if my if if my theory is correct here. It's based off of maybe there was an act of valor, like maybe he did, in fact, jump on a grenade or get it away from members of his camp or troop, maybe somewhere in the Middle East. Maybe he did, in fact, do something of a heroic statue or stature, I should say, that, again, led to getting those medals. And there, there may have been something like, again, saving members of his group, like with a grenade or some type of an of a uh, explosive, explosive device. So that there, there may be something. But again... I think it goes back to my parallel of this being a way to tell the Captain America story in somewhat of a new way for maybe new Marvel fans or perhaps just put a twist on it. But again, there could be a lot of other things going on in regards to why it was. But I mean, it, it could be a lot of things. And, and I and I, I think I go more with my thought here of it being like, you know, the 2021 version of the original Captain America storyline you know, maybe he jumps on a grenade. Maybe he's able to, you know, save members of, of his uh, military troop from being perhaps killed in action or stuff of that caliber that warrants that type of, of an honor. But on that, though, John, I, I don't know. It's very weird. I mean, it's definitely a good point. There. It just makes me realize, though, going back, Steve Rogers had a lot of crazy things he went through. Yes, I know he was present for 70 years, but after he woke up, we didn't see him angry. We didn't see him pissed off or anything. So he was able to keep his, regardless of what he went through, kept his composure and seemed very calm. Regardless, of, hence why, towards the thing in the end of the movie, you saw him punching the punching bag really hard. But you saw him give out his frustrations without somebody had to be hard. But the opposite, John Walker, how bending his frustrations, he killed somebody. And it's the exact opposite of what Steve Rogers did. Sam. I think you and Sam are on the right track here, John. She says, I think he took the serum and it's making it go from bad to worse. I exactly. honestly, think I agree. Cause you know, maybe, cause again, we hear a lot about side effects when we take like ibuprofen or we take uh, stuff cause our muscles hurt or we're having a headache. John, who knows what the ramifications could be for him at least in regards to the, the serum. I mean, who knows what, what it's really doing to his body. And, uh, Makes a good point right here. He straight up bent a metal pipe. So I have no doubt he definitely took the serum. And he kind of asked that question. Is he asked his friend. Yeah. He Then again, he did get his ass kicked, though, by by the Dora, though. So I don't know. So it just shows you maybe he's as weak as Chicken Little here. But this makes me wonder. Though. He asked he's probably his friend, not as weak as me and Isaiah, perhaps. Who knows? But he's asking his friend, like, would you take the serum? So he already, you already saw his face right there. Towards that, with his friend right there talking at the bar or the coffee shop, he's already in his mind. He's gonna take it when he took that that one last piece of it and put it in his pocket. He's gonna take it, and somebody is definitely gonna die. 
And it turns out it happened to be the Flag Smasher who was killed on the Fountain Steps. Uh, some more thoughts. Christy Wilson agrees. Maybe one of the side effects of the serum is that it makes him crazy. And also, Sam says about the Doro uh, beating up on John Walker, as he should have, as he should have, uh, in regards to being lit up by the door when they came charging in. Uh, but, John, uh, this is setting up, though, man, to another interesting scene, though, at their little uh, encampment or their little hideout, though. Zemo escaping through the storm drain at their hotel after the Dora came in to uh, hunt down Zemo. This makes me wonder, does it set up episode five? Because we were kind of surprised, or I was, well, not really, to sitting towards the end of episode episode four, where he's literally trying to kill Cart, the leader of the Flag Smashers. I get where his attention is. He doesn't like super soldiers. She's kind of part of that, what the, the mission is of the Flag the flag Smashers. But I thought she was going to die. I get redheads, but sure, you can't trust it. But makes you think that him escaping, and did he set up the uh, Falcon and, of course, Sam in the last episode when he was talking to those kids? Again, I know kind of bribed kids with those uh, Turkish candies. Again, another small reason why Marvel makes him tries to make us feel bad for him. Oh my gosh, my son, blah, blah, blah. But it makes you wonder, Callan, where did he go? And how do you think this sets up an episode, an emotional Hallmark episode five? John, I think the answer we all want to, I think the answer you want, and I'm going to give it to you. He's back at the club doing this. Come on now. He, that's, he got out of there to go back and dance at the club. Nice no. Yeah. Yeah, he, that's all he wanted to do. So, I mean, that's that's where I stand right now. But in all seriousness, no, I mean, who knows? I mean, because I think that in a way, though, that something to me, though, is saying that Zemo is, I think, trying his damnedest to get these two to finally get this thing over with. And maybe it's in regards to, uh, you know, the Dora coming for him at the encampment or at their little hotel, where whatever it is, but him getting out of there tells me he's either going back to the kids again to bribe them once more about killing Wilson and Barnes. Or he's thinking, how can I finally just get these people together uh, to just get this thing over with? I think I, I think that in a way that I think his patience personally is running out with how, in fact, that we saw him escape. But also he wanted to know part of that of that action in regards to the, to the Dora, the new Captain America, Battlestar, Falcon and Barnes. And but I, at the same time, I think it's in a way it's probably like that, that weird thing. Like I, I thought about the parallel, John between uh, with, with Darth Vader, James Earl Jones and David Prowse. Again, let's think back to episode six of the original trilogy in Star Wars. You have Darth Vader, you know, the most intimidating, you know, villain probably at that time in cinema back in the 80s, uh, who is seeing his son getting killed by the evil empire uh, emperor and being killed by Ian McDermott. And you see the conflict coming back from his past of episodes one, two, and three, as we end up knowing and uh, as we end up knowing about and that he does the right thing is that that just that 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 last common decency, that last common ounce of, you know, good in him throws the emperor down the shaft. Yes, it kills him, but that there was still good inside of Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. Now with Zemo, it's not a full blown comparison, but that to me, it's like he's being pulled in both directions. He's, be, he's being pulled in one direction by killing off Barnes, Wilson and even the Flag Smashers, but also he's being pulled, I think, on the other side, though, to help these guys kill off the Flag Smashers and restore some and restore some some type of normalcy, I guess. But again, I, I really don't know. But Christy, you are right. 
he escaped to go and dance at the club. I agree. No. Also, real quick, Sam says, really, though, Steve and Buck are the only people who haven't totally been wrecked by the, ser by the serum. Walker's descent into madness has me wondering if the, if the enhanced flag smashers are going to have similar consequences. Who knows? I mean, I, I really wonder about that. And so far, though, there haven't been many, though. But I think, though, John, I think it just sets up, though, that Walker either gets arrested or this guy is going to be captured or maybe he is killed. I mean, with just with, with, with how weak and how soft this guy has gotten, and, you know, obviously, you no, know, we're close to the actual Captain America, but that there has been some side effects maybe with that serum, you know, but also I think, though, John, what if that serum was not the same type that Rogers took? What if it was like maybe a knockoff style of serum that Ooh. maybe perhaps that it does, in fact, have those side effects or maybe it was a tainted sample that maybe is leading to these, you know, very weird, you know, violent outbursts. I mean, you know, I that just popped into my head. But what do you think? It, that actually, man. Because I do think, though, that if we were to compare and contrast, like Mahaley said earlier about, about contrasting between Rogers and Walker, the serum, I believe, in the first Avenger was more of like a, like more of like a thicker substance. It kind of looked like it was blood, but in a... But but colored blue, not colored red, or you know that dark red that blood usually is, even though I'm colorblind. Where in this series, though, John, it looks very light blue, but also very watery. Like it's not like the, like the full like it's not a full blown finished product. Like it's maybe like maybe seventy five percent done. That's definitely a good point. There again, it's a lot of theories and questions, and no. He didn't go back out to dance to the club. That would be more traumatizing. No, that's not dancing. That's either you gotta you had a huge fart that had to be let out, or you had some uh, squirrels. But never mind, there, folks. But it definitely makes me wonder. Is this set up? And I want John Walker to be killed. Screw you, John Walker. More than that coming up soon. But I will say, is this set up to Zemo? <laughs> is this set up Zemo? Is this set up Zemo to be killed in episode five or six? Because I understand that he's a like a main like villain character, but moving forward, if once this goes back to normal, does he really have a part in the Marvel MCU at that point? I think either again, I'm not saying he's going to be killed. But what if he's killed? Again, this is probably the dumbest theory. Out. This is an Isaiah Tap theory, but I'll let Callan go first. Barnes kills Zemo. I think. Yeah, that's a much bigger theory. I won't say mine for sure, but uh, I, I mean, why right, what do you got? Say it. We got to no, hear no, it. No, no, no. I can't. Yet? It's, say it. Come okay, on. Okay, fine. This is an Isaiah type one, so you can record me, embarrass me all you want. But what if somehow Steve Rogers comes back somehow and kills him? Again, it's not going to happen, but and it, is, it, it would be much better sense, I think, for Bucky to kill him because Bucky is cured. He is what you call normal. The gears He's are grinding. Not I, like, I've said it for four episodes, John. The gears are grinding about how am I going to be able, like I said back in episode one or two, how can I hurt this guy? How can I kill this guy? You know, how can I do something to, to this guy without the government finding out about it? And I think that, that with them not being on American territory, that like they're overseas, I think it's fair game at this rate. It's no holds, it's no holds barred if you ask me. Barnes kills Walker. Case closed. I definitely could see that because I mean, think about this point. Zemo had what he had over Bucky was those words, was that notebook. Now that he's not triggered by those words anymore, he's what you call cured. Zemo can't really can't do anything against Bucky and see how 
fast book he is and how he did that shoulder slam in episode three, he would kick you know what. But, but I mean, that does kind of make a good point there. I think Zima will survive the series. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Do you think they probably throw him back in jail, maybe? Oh, I hope they just kill him. I hope it, but yeah, I definitely think he could go back in jail. Man, maybe he goes the same kind of jail as John Walker, but who knows? Again, just a theory that probably won't happen. So this isn't. Ooh, the fact that they put the last seconds of the show in Disney Plus is just shocking to me. Wow, can't wait to see where this progresses. Unfortunately, we have to hit that wall where we probably won't see any new storylines. Only two more episodes. Exactly. That's kind of where me and counteract Christian is that. You Marvel has a very limited amount of time. They've done a phenomenal job so far, but the in-game type climax, I don't believe, has truly been reached yet. They said hot take. Demander, not Trevor Noah. The real one is the power broker setting up Shang. I but I mean, Ooh. I definitely had a theory there, but I like that one. There. I like it. I, I like I like that idea, Christian. That 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 to me sounds a wee bit intriguing. Because I think that's supposed to be the next movie. I think coming out eventually. I think th- that's the one that comes out after Black Widow, but that one got delayed just because of the Black uh, well, Widow delays. Black Widow got delayed, so thank you all. Damn, very I much. wonder what character you'd be referring to about uh, that we've seen people escape. Hmm, I think we talked about him earlier in the show. I wonder, but my question to both any of y'all watching or count: Which villain would you like to see more killed, John Walker or Zemo? John Walker. Oh, definitely, without a doubt, John Walker. But I got any of y'all comments or concerns would definitely be. Much appreciate again. Where did Zemo go? Did he escape? Is he going to be killed in the series? I hope he does, but I also still have the same message every single time. Screw you, John Walker. Well, with that in, folks, that kind of answers, I think, number five here, man. John Walker being mentally unstable. You talked about the PTSD. That's kind of been like kind of covered. It does make me wonder, Callum what he's been through and moving forward. Who knows what happened? He had said this, I just don't want Bucky to kill anyone. I mean, you, I, I do, but I, screw your hydro, but I do and I don't just because I understand he's cured from that. He's trying to get to a normal life count, be normal, not harm anybody, have friends. And you already had to deal with your friend from episode one because you killed his son. Trying to deal with that and saying you're normal now. It's going to be a lot of things that maybe, May not return to normal. But either way, Sam, everybody else that's watching, John Walker needs to be killed. But I can say, man, you've done a phenomenal job, White Russell, with that character. I've never hated a villain that quickly. Maybe you can see him in other future movies, like someone else we've seen in another Marvel movie. But I'll talk to I like um, Christian's answer. If anyone does not say Walker, we cannot be friends. We all want him gone. Zemo is intriguing. Walker is awful. I agree. You disgraced the name of Captain America, you son of a gun. And guess what? Yet again. Screw you, John Walker. And I always say that time and time again. But again, the Wyatt Russell has done a phenomenal job. This this next one, though, Count, is kind of funny. It's more of a, not so serious, but you saw talking about and John Walker. Again, screw you, John Walker. Getting his butt. Getting kicked. His, you know what, the beat, beat getting his snot been out of, but two of the world guards from for the Black Panther. Con, what are your thoughts on this comment right here? And what does this kind of show on how Marvel can mix comedy, action, 
and a little bit of drama. I, I, I thoroughly loved it. I just love the fact that you see Buck just standing there looking strong, John. I mean, that was, that was the best part. I mean, too bad that your name is also John. So we're not talking about you. That's definitely for sure. But I mean, so again, John, we have seen John Walker in action, I think three times in this series. And all three mm -hmm. times, this man has been absolutely manhandled over three times we've seen him in action. The Flag Smashers, for one thing, uh, with Carly kicking him off the uh, off the truck in episode one. Then we saw him, I think, get, you know, get, you know, get his butt kicked too in another episode. Or, I mean, spat upon, I should say, in one episode. And now, though, thoroughly just dominated by the Dora in this series and in this episode. And also that, of course... Uh, even getting beat up, too, by the Flag Smashers. And, of course, uh, Lamar is killed in action uh, by the Flag Smashers. Again, he's literally punched through a column, you know, like a cement column, and he's killed. Uh, that's after he was also arrested, uh, hogtied, and was able to cut himself free. But also, I just think, though, man, this this is just laughable at this rate that we're seeing, you know, this the, the supposed new Captain America getting absolutely owned at every step of the imagination. This just shows me. What I would love to see happen to one more guards grab the shield, I would have loved if she just punched him right square in the mouth with that shield, because rightfully so, because screw you, John Walker. But Christian comes to say, wondering how gents think, you gents think Bucky returns back to, to Mr. Nakajima. I, what counts? I, I can't pronounce that name. It looked like a little um, Higgin. To make amends for the death of a son. Seems like the story has advanced pretty far to turn back to that. I think it does. But that's where I would I would be frustrated at Marvel to a certain extent. But maybe not. Because you have to make that amends. You were that close to his father. There has to be some type of end to that part of the story. I think if they don't somehow end that part in the beginning. It would be a little bit. Definitely a little bit disappointing. I don't know how you go back now. I mean, that was in episode one, but at Christian, it's a Christian. It's a very, very valid point, though, my man, in regards to how that happens. I, I don't know, John. I mean, that I, I thought I had an idea in my head, but now it's been derailed, sadly, and my train of thought has fallen off the train and to its death at this rate. So. Uh, but it's a very valid point. I do think that it is a wee bit late, but that doesn't rule out a post-credit scene, maybe, in regards to maybe Buck going back to Brooklyn and trying to make that men's, as you said. But, Christian, it's a very valid point, though, man, but I sadly can't muster an answer right now at this rate. But this next one here, folks, as Sam points out, this one, Callan, I know there's some things we can have finger theories on and think, potentially this could happen and this can happen. But I did not know that Bucky's arm could be taken off. And the way that the world guards, it's like Buzz Lightyear getting his arm off. It's like, we didn't expect that that at all, Callan, to happen. But your thoughts on that? And did you really expect that to be possible at all? I love the reference. <laughs> I am Mrs. Nesbitt. I mean, I, I, I love the reference, Sam. But I think it goes back, though, to some of the, the memes, though, that people were making about Buck in his new arm. We had, like, the one of, like, you would, like, the the one that you would, like, slap on, like, a car window and it would get stuck. Or, of course, the Buzz Lightyear arm. But I, I never knew that was possible. And when I saw him, I'm like, what? I mean, because, believe it or not, the Winter Soldier arm has been a tattoo design idea I've had 
after I got my first one, it'd be similar on, on the, it wouldn't be the full arm, but it would be part of it. And it's like, just seeing that was just like, what? Like they, they, they built like a new port for him. I mean, it looks like he's able to like charge a phone up there and stuff like that. But that was a very, that was something I didn't know either. It was like, but I think the Sam's point though, again, with Marvel, Marvel being owned by Disney, Disney owning Pixar, kind of like a little nod to Toy Story. And again, you see the hat? I am Mrs. Disney. And also <laughs> Sam says, uh, Christian, this is probably for you though. Sam thinks that I think that Buck will go back to Mr. Nakajima at the end. That portion of the, uh, that portion of the, uh, of the amends will be the closing of the series. I think though, John, to your point though, we've seen some scenes that were in the trailer that have not been used in regards to Anthony Mackie training with the shield Buck and him meeting up, like I'm guessing after the series concludes, like at the river, shaking hands. So, I mean, I my, my train of thought is still clouded, though, but I think, though, Christian had a very great point, though, and that Sam has a very great answer. And also, real quick, uh, uh, as well, uh, Chrissy says, JW getting his butt kicked by a girl, laughing face emoji. Sam also says, I think this is why he took he takes the serum. JW was so mad that he gracefully got his butt handed to him like it was brewing before, but when he was like, they weren't even super soldiers. That was the turning point when, in fact, he got nailed in that fight scene. But again, three times, John, he's uh, he's fought. Three times he's been, he's had his rear end, rear end rear end handed to him on a silver platter. Turns out, third time is definitely not a charm for John Walker. So again, always we say this at the beginning of every program: screw you, John Walker. But it definitely was a surprise seeing his arm torn off. I was like, when she was touching there with her sword, like. What internations are you doing? But folks, your thoughts and all of that is welcome during the program. I mean, come on. Then again, these people built him that arm. So I think they know all the little ins and outs about how to activate and deactivate his arm. So I think that they probably have the manual on that somewhere. Right. It just was a surprise to us. Like, we didn't know oh, they by could the really way, do that. I, I did want to say real quick. I, th I think the reason, though, and I think the Sam's point, though, about they weren't even super soldiers. The quote, though, of when he said, put down the pointy sticks. You don't do that sort of stuff when the when the Royal Guard of the Black Panthers around. You know, way to go, nut job. Nice job, buddy. First, regardless if it's the Royal Guards or not, when you tell somebody to put down the pointy stick, they're going to do the exact opposite. And so also, never you lay your hands on the Dora either. Yeah, imagine if you laid your hands on the Black Panther. Ooh, your head would be... Time out. Christian's had a great point. Does Carly hold Walker's actions against Buck and Sam, or does she understand that they hate him yet? You know, John, that that was a point we didn't bring mm -hmm. up though. That was a point we brought up though after that the funeral scene where John Walker interferes with Sam one on one on a personal level, talking to Carly about her plans, and yet the new guy has to go and screw things up and ruin the plans for everyone. Where Sam, in a way, to use a quote from Buck, I think Sam had her on the ropes. You know that. He was kind of getting like getting his way in there. And what does the new guy do? Suppose that I do think though, is that to Christian's point though, John, I don't think Carly holds Walker's actions against them because I think that, that she's that she was before she called, made the phone call to his sister, I believe, on the deck in Louisiana, that Carly was kind of getting in with Sam. That they were, you know, again, talking on a personal level. But now that Walker interfered though, now that she's killed off his sidekick. I think that she's that in a way, I think it's again, kind of pulling like it's pulling her in both ways. I think again, this may sound stupid for a villain, but that she's being pulled in one direction to probably kill Sam and Buck. But she also then gravitates toward the, to the, other, to the other side of the spectrum that she knows though, that they also despise John Walker. 
And she's definitely going to be, she's scared of John Walker. And if she finds out that they're, they hate him, maybe they team, I don't know saying they're going to team up, but you can tell how she is. She definitely has a soft spot. And she's a little bit, I wouldn't say like um, completely emotionally unstable, but I bet she, I couldn't agree more. I mean, think about how you know what she was in the Black Panther movie. She did a phenomenal job. It just makes me wonder though, if like how unstable she is mentally, of course, after the passing of what somebody that was very close to her, Sam able to kind of come in and touch that emotional side. Maybe they try to work together. Maybe that was completely screwed up after John Walker has his big ego and tries to save the day and does and we want to call it it's a small Easter egg here, folks, but can of course kind of recreating a little bit a scene from the Captain America first Avenger right here when he of course he comes in with the gun, but except this time is more on a vengeance level for the off ban Walmart version of Captain America. And I, I do bet think this is kind of a good point though, John, that she bl mm -hmm. she bets that uh, Cherie built the arm for Buck, which is why they were which is why it was so easy for her to deactivate his arm. That kind of makes a good point. She made she did it like she knew like somebody's phone passcode. I mean, that's definitely insane, but if she did. I just like the fact that they're still calling in the White Wolf, by the way. I thought that was pretty cool that they did that uh, earlier on in, this, in the show. It's a nice Easter egg based on how they kind of go back to Infinity War. He spent his time in Wakanda there, folks. But again, screw you, John Walker, though. But this next... Screw you, John Walker. We see Callan... Or, sorry, we see the Winter Soldier speaking... Another word that we never thought he would say in the beginning of the series, except kind of this time it was twisted around and speaking the language of Wakanda. Just a little bit of a conversation for the very first time. We're so your thoughts on that. And do you think there's more to his time spending in Wakanda? Or what, so what was your initial reaction to him learning and already knowing the language of Wakanda? Uh, can Sebastian Stan be my translator when I go abroad eventually and go and travel again? Because I think I think he's like, you know, he's got a Rutgers University degree for one thing. Does the does Sebastian Stan? And I think he's pretty well versed in multiple languages. I think I, I know he's from Romania. But I think though, I think John to the point though about that is I think it's great though that Marvel does in fact lure some of these actors or actresses who again probably were able to speak a polenthal of, of, of languages. Again, we've seen Buck with, you know, the Russian trigger words, obviously. We've seen him with other things, though. But I think that due to the fact of him being in Wakanda, again, rehabbing, getting himself back on track, though, I mean, he was around them for so long. I think it just kind of, in a way, became second nature to him at that time. Stephen, one of those small Easter eggs that Marvel definitely does a phenomenal job to. But count this next one. This is the thing that Marvel does that we love and hate. They try to draw our emotions to make us feel bad for the villain. Oh, poor me. But again, Zemo just mentioned his son in this episode when he tries to talk to the kids to either set Sam and Bucky up or maybe to kind of set them up towards the end of the episode where you saw John Walker here. But Turkish Delight, it was always my son's favorite. They I mean, I guarantee, I know they mentioned a little bit of his family when he talked to Black Panther, but it's just one of those small things, Callan, where, yeah, it may not be much of the big, flashy Easter egg, but it's just another reason how Marvel tries to make us feel, somehow feel some type of sympathy for one of the villains, despite what he did to the Avengers. 
You know, that's what makes Marvel so beautiful. I mean, is they try to lure you in, sucker you into feeling, you know, feeling bad for, for the villains. And again, tying into that Civil War one. By the way, I want to get to this one from Christian real quick. He says, also, guys, Sebastian Stan deserves an Emmy for the scene in Wakanda. Possibly one of the most emotionally moving scenes in the MCU so far. Excited to see if WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier get their much-deserved attention during award season. I would hope so, man, especially with how we've seen the award shows. I know that people, you know, are not fans of them anymore because of maybe what's been what's gone on what's gone on away from the silver screen. But John, with how we've seen them though grow and add Netflix and add Disney Plus and Hulu into the equation, I mean, they're hands down, they have got to be considered though for I think multiple, multiple categories uh in regards to when the award season comes around next year. If you're not even winning one, I think it would be a disgrace. It just shows that certain people are phenomenal actors, and they're when you you can tell when a certain actor is truly dedicated, of course, to playing one of the characters here. But of course, Christy Wilson kind of comes in with a great point here. I think that Turkish Delight was mentioned in the Chronicles of Narnia book, The Lion, The Witch, and the Wardrobe. I believe it was Christy Wilson, but. I mean, I think it was. I do I think it's also ahead. a case, though, of that of that uh, that particular thing, Chronicles of Narnia. I think it was one of those cases too, where I, th I think maybe the movie was better than the book in my mind. Definitely, because again, folks, I don't read books that much, but that's not the point. Again, just goes back how Marvel likes to tear us with emotions. Again, Sebastian Stan, despite if my fan theories ever come true, has done. A phenomenal job. We've seen that, like we see with Loki, like we saw with Thor, just the dedication, regardless with with it, with the tears, with the walking, how you conduct yourself with the character, like becoming the character. They do that so well, and I can't stress that enough. But Callum, this next one here could be a surprise or kind of a Easter egg thing that could happen in the last two episodes. Some people were saying that Sharon Carter could actually be the power broker or is working with them. Again, somebody said that she's working herself, was doing pretty well. Medjapur, of course, couldn't come back to the United States yet. Getting her aunt, I believe, has the last bit of Steve Rogers' blood used in the serum. Like, you make that point there. Then, just like it goes back to beginning of the episode, when you talk about the serum, didn't look maybe isn't the same exact serum as before. It's maybe it's not a stick or maybe it's an off-brand kind. Which is why you saw John Walker go off. Which is maybe why you saw the what you're saying other potentially with the Flag Smashers, all these type of things. What are your so thoughts on this Easter egg, and do you think it has any um, any flame to it at all? I think it does, uh, in a way, somewhat get that conversation back started, John, because I think that Sam and Mahalia were quick to that point, though, that they both believe that Sharon could be could be or is working for the power broker because. Again, she has a lot of power in Magipore for only being there for such a short span of time. Plus, of course, the whole thing with the iPhone and the uh, iPhone and Android thing going on to it with her phone usage. But perhaps, and again, I don't know though. Again, this probably in a way reminds me a little bit, like I've said though, about Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker in episode seven through nine of him kind of in a way being in the middle. He's not one with the good guys, he's not one with the bad guys. He's kind of got one foot here, one foot there. Again, and again, we don't know what Sharon's plans are going to be. Uh, I do think that eventually she's, she's going to come to her senses and help out Buck and Wilson because I think that, like I said, though, John, Buck and Wilson know there is no help. You know, they probably can't rely on Zemo too much to help out. And they're like the last two people out there that can probably 
finally take this group down and there's no other assistance and that Sharon Carter may be like the last possible option for them to still, in a way, keep everyone safe and ultimately take down the Flag Smashers. John, you're muted, buddy. Be kind of curious to see how they move a character moving forward, but I don't think she's the power broker. But I definitely would like to see her character moving forward. Is she going to come back to stakes? I could talk about that state of normalcy there. But again, Christian comes in to say she can't be the power broker. Multiple characters have referred to the power broker as a he, hoping for the Mandarin or Zola. Yep. What? <laughs> said it. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a good one. That definitely could be a Dr. good point. Dr. Zola coming back after what we've seen him with First Avenger. Could he really have survived this long, though, between between all these films, though? I, I wonder. It's a great You'll point, be surprised. Though. Marvel, I mean, at this point with Marvel, I wouldn't really be surprised. You know what? They yeah. can pull anything out of the hat and out of the cat in the bag. But, man, if they did that, I know they talk about emotion. But man, oh man, that would be like shock. That was just there. But again, Chrissy said, I thought Zola was dead. I thought he I was thought he too. Was but again, jailed. with Marvel, I mean, I know, just like I know he, he thought, was jailed. I know he was jailed. But again, who knows? Uh, also, real quick, Chrissy Wilson wrote in earlier. I know that Turkish Delight was mentioned in the uh, line, which in the, in the wardrobe, but Christian added a bit on to that. He says, The Turkish Delight was used in the Narnia movie by the witch luring the kid in for info. Same exact thing in the series with Zemo being the bad guy, using Turkish delight for his advantage to lure a child for information. Again, it goes back to Christian's point, though, again, that Sharon cannot be the power broker. Multiple characters have been re referred to as the power broker as a he, hoping it's the Mandarin, or is it Dr. Zola? Yeah, I said it. I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but man, that'd be just like a stunning moment if, in fact, Dr. Zola returns after all these times. Mahalia stays with their thoughts that I still stand by my previous theory as Sharon Carter is the power broker. It makes so much sense to, uh, for it to be true. And especially since she lost everything due to sticking her neck out for the good guys. She, uh, so she looks out for herself only. Sam also says, I mean, he's literally, uh, I mean, he's literally, uh, he, uh, he's a literal machine now, so it's possible, but it's not my favorite theory. Mahalia also says they also refer to the power broker as he, as the power brokers only known by their reputation. Christian further adds on from the comics, at least Zola made a machine where he would be able to uh, continue living as a bot. Uh, schematics of his designs for the bot were seen in a episode, but also I think that was, I think though, John on display though, I think in the actual winter soldier movie, when Nat and Rogers infiltrated that old base with the red stars on the front that became Zola's personal little hangout for his bot computers back then. And also Sam says in regards to her sister, could be that they just assume it's a guy because the power broker has power. Valid point. Man, that theory, though, I'm still thinking. Again, Marvel at this point wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, Disney, all that. But again, folks, we thought that the Palpatine was dead. Hence, he comes back. And then, I and then how he, in the hell does he come back after being dead from episode and, six to episode nine? And like, we thought, so he was out. alive, but he was kind of, he was mentally there, but he really wasn't there. So. If they can do that with Star Wars, I wouldn't really be surprised at this point right here. But again, kind of, kind of a lot of these small Easter eggs, we're kind of going back a little bit, is that this one, I think, just shows the emotional roller coaster that Marvel 
loves to pull us on small things from the movie. You talk about what um, Black Panther's talking about White Wolf. I think he's been ready for a while. Then you go back to, I believe, episode one, episode two, when they finally reunite together, Sam and Bucky. And he talked about, oh, no, it's actually White Wolf. Just those tiny things, I think, for true Marvel friends matter. But, Cal, most of your initial thoughts on this final Easter or one of the final Easter eggs on the show. And how did you really, what were your initial thoughts on this? I think, though, John, it was to the parallel I'd, I'd said, though, back in episode one, though, of like, in episode one, Sam Wilson's storyline was way, way out of control. Like, there was the whole thing of the boat and his family and living in Louisiana and stuff like that, where, again, Buck had more of a street line, of a straight line story in regards to, again, you know, watching, you know, waking up in cold sweats from a nightmare. And, of course, the uh, infamous clip here that we've been playing for so long. You know, he wakes up from that nightmare. He's on the floor. He obviously has the bionic arm still, but he's wearing a full jacket through Brooklyn, trying not to let people see that arm and let them, you know, and have them run for their lives because they're seeing the Winter Soldier back once again. And then also uh, that, uh, also, in a, but to that point, though, in regards to this Easter egg, though, is that, again, that goes to my point, though, of that Sam Wilson storyline has not been very clear. And again, I know that, of course, that we saw him, though, about the VA, but we never knew that he dealt with soldiers dealing with trauma up in, I don't think, like in a roundabout way until now. John, you're muted, buddy. Definitely a good point there. But, uh, of course, Sam says, Palpatine can't pa no, 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 We're not going to get we're gonna, rabbit hole, rabbit hole. Definitely a good, we would have a whole show for it. Maybe we'll do that some other time. But you, get, I want to get off track here. But again, Chris just said, Padme died. Yep. Broken heart because of Anakin turning to the dark side of the forest. I mean, think about how Natalie felt or she felt in that moment. You saw the tears, you saw the anguish, and who knows? But again, little fairy theories for another day. But this one kind of goes back for this next one, though. Calm again, the small Easter eggs that really matter, unless you've watched since the beginning. Hoskins talks about how the serum only enhances that. And basically, kind about, hey, would you take the serum? Would you do it? He's like, heck yeah, I would. And then it goes back to that doctor note when he talked to, um, of course, Steve Rogers when before he got kept getting rejected by the military time and time again. And he says in the show, it's an interesting parallel. To, uh, sorry, it only enhances the traits of a person, which is, of course, folks, if you've been watching this really since the beginning, a direct callback to Dr. Ernstein's speech from Captain America. The first Avenger. Calm. Those tiny Easter eggs like that really, I think, make the difference and set apart Marvel from DC. I don't care what nobody else says here. But what are your thoughts again on this one of these final Easter eggs on the show? But this tiny Easter egg, how does this show your opinion on why Marvel has been so dominant in the movie industry? Not a perfect soldier, but a good man. Simple as that. I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's, come it's, on. It's, that, it's that little minutia that adds a layer to it in regards to, again, Dr. Erskine and why he picked Chris Evans, Steve Rogers, for the role of becoming that, you know, that first test subject. But that, you know, this is only stuff, though, you know, and, and I say this a lot, though, about Disney theme parks, John. You leave some of the rides there for your first time, like saying, Oh my gosh, only Disney can do this. Only Disney can do that. Only Marvel and only Disney could do something like this where again they tie into the past. They tie into films. They tie into other avenues again like we had talked about, you know, with Sam bringing up Mrs. Nesbitt from Pixar owned by Disney. Only the Disney company 
could be able to tie back into something from another different outlet in regards to something like this. That makes a good point. There. Sam kind of goes back to our point then. Sam was doing the VA counseling way back and went to soldier. And Sam, that's kind of what we talk about the emotions and those tiny things from the past and the past future movies and bring them the current TV shows or current movie cinemas. It's definitely very interesting how they do that and bring in that emotional stuff time and time again because Marvel has great characters. DC has interesting villains. Again, another conversation for another day when this series definitely is over because there would be a lot of great conversations. Here's the million-dollar answer right here, okay. John. Mahalia says, once again, the difference in the contrast. Rogers, good man. JW, good soldier. Now, and again, JW goes against, I think, what Dr. Erskine wanted his Captain America to be during that time. This kind of goes, Callan, I think, to one of our last, but like kind of like an extra one to, to her point right here. The final moment when John Walker goes for the head is a direct parallel to what it seems Steve Rogers is going to kill Tony in Civil War. You saw how Tony's first year, I don't care, like we saw this scene here. Did you know? And you saw him beating on him. He's out to beat him time and time. Very similar to what John Walker was doing. And then when he realized he lost his composure, he lost his cool, he realized what he's doing and put the shield down. That's the exact opposite of what the off-brand Walmart version did. But, Count, what is your more short thoughts on that, Count, compared to Steve Rogers? And how does this show maybe... Was the government a little bit more involved with this new guy becoming Captain America? And maybe how does this show how great of a job Marvel does? Again, I, I think it just goes back to my thoughts, though, that in, in the current time that Marvel's in right now, again, they're trying their best to put a curtain and hide Rogers. They don't want you to, to think about Rogers, talk about Rogers. You know, it's like, hey, that doesn't exist. This is the only guy that exists right now. And that we see, again, that um, that parallel, I think, again, of, again, Rogers showing compassion, showing restraint towards Stark in that Civil War scene, though, where, again, with John Walker, it's no remorse in this way. He kind of saw, no pun intended for another show that um, Trevor talked about, no BS, but he saw the best of both worlds. Now he understand how Bucky was, of course, under the influence, and he wasn't. He was him, but he wasn't. But he could also really understand Tony's frustration. Hey, this guy did kill my parents in 1991. I understand that he he feels for his friend, but he also kind of feels for Tony. So kind of seeing the best of both worlds and putting himself. I think the thing of being Captain America, what Steve Rogers did so well there is that he is able to put himself aside to not be selfish and to think of others the exact opposite of what john walker did and again all your comments questions or concerns are definitely much appreciated here folks but again calm a lot of these easter eggs have been interesting but a few of them we were going to talk about we kind of already answered them here we're gonna these are always such great show marvel dudes on the ms6 sports network we do this every single week before we go let's kind of go to today's or tonight's final thoughts and again folks we have a I think a little announcement thing here a very small thing we know if you're last week mentioned something about screw you hydro and a potential uh screw you hydro and a potential 
apparel. So again, folks, this is just a mock-up. So let's, this is not the final what it looks like. But it would basically say, screw your hydro. It would have me with the hoodie, with the sunglasses, and pointing just like this. Screw you, Hydra. But it definitely be interesting. Chris here, interview. let us know what y'all think if y'all have any details or designs of it. But again, Callan, I can't stress enough regardless of the views or what people say. <laughs> I love it. That is absolutely <laughs> spectacular right Thank there. Thank you. To Zoom again. Thank you, Chris. It says, I love this shirt, so maybe coming soon. But again, Callan, despite however many comments there are, I can't stress enough how much just talking Marvel with somebody that has the same interest. But so, man, what are your final thoughts for tonight, despite how somebody wasn't the best host? Oh, man, another great night of programming. Uh, again, uh, major ups to Christy and Sam, uh, Christian and Mahalia for, again, uh, tuning in and for writing in tonight and giving us all your thoughts. Again, two more episodes to go. But, John, uh, again, another great night of programming. And uh, we'll have to work on some shirt designs for sure for this uh, podcast, definitely. But. Uh, some good stuff. Again, got into the Loki series coming up in June. Again, episode four for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Again, we'll probably eventually uh, get to uh, some discussion about the new Avengers-themed area coming to California Adventure at Disneyland in Anaheim, California in about a week or so, perhaps, as more time goes on. But again, uh, thanks to all the viewers, and again, a great show. And uh, I do, get, do have to say real quick, though, uh, John and everyone else out there, that last episode uh, here on my personal Facebook timeline, got over 100 views. So thank you folks again for tuning in, for joining us here. We've been, it's been probably a bit tough to kind of get this project going, but I think as more time goes on, we'll be fine. So again, thanks to all for viewing and for joining us. And uh, uh, we'll do it all over again, John, next week. Again, thank you all, like you say, for every single person that watches, it does mean a lot. We have a lot of fun doing these, talking Marvel, talking about a lot of things. And my final thought, really. Hell Hydra. Thank you all so much for watching on this daybreak evening. But Agent Martinez, Padawan, Agent C Mac are over here <laughs> on the MI6 Sports Network. We'll speak with y'all again soon. Thank you so much for watching. God bless, and we'll see you next time. We will see you next time, folks. Have a good night.